gluten. It gives us that beautiful fluffy bread that we love, not to mention Chinese dumplings and other culinary delights. But it may also be giving us something much less wanted. Scientists at Otago University have discovered that gluten can cause brain inflammation in mice and the findings of what is believed to be a world-first study could have serious implications for humans. Research lead and professor at the Centre for Neuroendocrinology, Alexander Tupps, joined us last month on the show. You might remember him talking about the effect of dahlia flower extract on blood sugar. Well, he's with us today to discuss this latest research. Alex, hello. Yeah, Kira, Tissim. Busy man. Yes, <laughs> at the moment certainly. <laughs> okay, tell us about this research and why you did it. Yeah, so we're working on brain inflammation and we thought why not test gluten um, if that can cause brain inflammation and we use mice at a model system because we cannot study brain inflammation in humans that easily. And um, so we decided to feed gluten to mice and we fed them 4.5% um, of their diet that was um, replaced with gluten, and this is um, roughly what we eat during the day on, mm. on average. And yes, we found that um, this increased the number and also the activity of certain immune cells in the, in the brain, um, which is indicative of brain inflammation. And what was interesting, we gave it to a normal diet and also to a diet that is enriched in saturated fat, for example, enriched in lard. And we saw that in both cases, it increases the number of these immune cells. We know that the high-fat diet enriched in lard can induce brain inflammation, and gluten was as effective when we gave it to mice on a normal diet as if you feed them a high-fat diet. We saw the same increase in the number of these immune cells, which was surprising. Yeah, can you just explain that to me one more time? So you gave one group of mice gluten only and you gave another group of mice gluten and a high-fat diet. Why did you do both in the other group? So we wanted to see if potentially we know that a high-fat diet can increase the yeah. number of these immune cells. That was our control. So we gave then gluten to mice on a normal diet and gluten to mice on a high-fat diet. And we saw in both cases an increase. Um, the increase on the normal diet was as high as if you feed mice a high-fat diet without gluten. So we saw that increase in the number of cells. Mm. And if you give it to mice on a high-fat diet, we saw a much bigger increase than, than the high-fat diet alone does already on the induction Were you, of were you surprised by those findings? Yes, we were surprised. We know gluten has some immunogenic effects, we call it. So in the, in the um, enteric nervous system in your gut, for example, it can lead to inflammation. That has been shown, but it has never been investigated in the hypothalamus or the brain region that we study, for example, that regulates body weight and also blood sugar levels. And it was very surprising that it does this in this region as well. What is brain inflammation? Um, brain inflammation is uh, a very hot topic at the moment. We call it also neuroinflammation. It's um, an increase of certain immune cells in the brain that we don't want to have. So you could say we have these macrophages in the blood, these are immune protection, and they fight infections, for example. But if you get a chronic increase of uh, um, these immune cells, and we have similar immune cells in the brain, 
this chronic increase is um, brain inflammation of a certain type of immune cells that you only find in the brain. Mm. Is it bad? Um, we believe so. So um, accumulating research suggests that it's um, associated with different conditions. So the, the best link has been shown that this in, can increase the risk to develop um, obesity and also, for example, diabetes. So many studies recently have shown that there are um, strong associations between brain inflammation and these diseases. Why would that be? Um, yeah, we're, we're studying um, this. And we know that the brain controls our body weight. So it decides us if we want to eat or if we don't eat. And it can also control the liver to control our blood sugar long term. So when we get brain inflammation, we believe that the brain cannot make this decision so easily anymore and um, it's somehow disrupted and that then leads to this chronic increase in body weight that, I mean, we have a big obesity problem in the world at the moment and um, the diet seems to play an important role because we know that saturated fats, as I already said, <coughs> have been shown to induce this brain inflammation and potentially gluten, but I want to say we don't know this in humans yet. So we've only studied mice so far, and we need to see if this also occurs in humans. Did your mice get fat? Um, yes. So this is not surprising, actually. We know that gluten can lead, uh, lead to a slight increase in body weight, and we found this only in the mice where we gave gluten to the high-fat diet. So they get fat anyway, but yeah. they gained more weight when we added gluten to their diet than, than the high-fat diet alone. And in humans, it's known when people go gluten-free and they eat a healthy diet, that is important, they actually lose a few kgs of body weight. That's interesting. So it's not so surprising, that finding, but the brain inflammation finding was... Yes, weird. but this might explain it or, or, or go some way to explaining it. Yes, yes. Hmm. Now, take me through the history of studies on mice. How often does what you see in mice reoccur when you do the same tests in human? How reliable an indicator is it of how humans might respond to the same thing? That is a good question. I'm, I'm not aware of any statistics where we see how many studies mm. in mice have um, shown the same effect in humans. It is interesting that mice are a very good model because they have a very um, similar nervous system and also digestive system so, and also hormonal system, so they are really good to study these effects. We often see that many things are conserved through evolution, so we will find similar effects in humans. In humans, we, of course, have people with celiac disease, and we also have um, people with gluten-related disorders. So it's estimated that almost 5% of the global population have gluten-related disorders. And in mice, we don't see these effects. So we don't, we don't have mice that have celiac disease, which was interesting, though, is that all our mice got these... Um, brain inflammation. And we could think that in humans it might only affect, for example, people who are already celiac or who are um, um, amongst those 5% who, are, um, who have these gluten-related disorders. So that could be different in humans. But we don't know. We need to study this. And it's not so easy in humans. Out of interest, how do you study a mouse's brain? Um, so... We, we look at certain markers for brain inflammation in, in the mouse brain, and um, that's 
what we can do in our lab. And this is not established in humans yet, so that, that is the problem. Okay, let me tell you some of my favorite foods, Alexander. Oh, yeah? Bread, pasta. Depends on which, which one, yeah. Pasta, <laughs> crackers, beer. Now, these are all very high in gluten. This is bad news for me and for a lot of listeners as well. Um, potentially, if we find this in humans as well. But um, if this was shown in humans as well, there might be things to compensate, for example, by eating, in addition, foods that are highly anti-inflammatory, for example. Oh, yeah. So it could be omega-3 fatty acids. Um, there's, for example, green lip muscle. We, we could show that this actually um, has anti-inflammatory effects on brain cells, components in in grilled muscle or fish oil, for example, that they're called omega-3 fatty acids. One um, popular one is called DHA. We could show that these protected in, in our model systems from damage to nerve cells or brain cells. Those Belgian beer cafes had it right, eh? A kilo of mussels uh, on your right and a um, big schooner of beer on your left. Exactly. When you watch the um, Soccer World Cup or so, have some mussels and then... Beer, that's the good combination. <laughs> How, how's Germany doing in the FIFA Women's World Cup? Um, I think they're out now, so yeah. Mm. <laughs> Same with New Zealand. You've yeah. actually looked into the history of gluten in our diet. What have you found? The history, yeah, that's quite interesting. So gluten is around for a long time because we, we cultivate um, wheat for a long time. But the process that we use to bake bread, make pasta, or create soy sauce has changed because now it's very industrialized. Mm -hmm. And in the past, for example, bread was made with sourdough. Pasta was actually dried in the sun, or soy sauce was fermented. Yeah. And to speed up the process now, we don't do this anymore so much. And um, these fermentation processes, for example, they break down the gluten. So now the gluten is not broken down anymore, and that's why we are exposed to much higher gluten mm. quantity in our diet than we were in the past. Do we eat a lot of gluten here in New Zealand? Yes, so that's quite interesting. Um, I come from Central Europe. When we just compare the composition of the bread, it's um, very different. So it's very fluffy in New Zealand and we Kiwis, we like the fluffy bread. But in Central Europe, it's very solid and like a brick for some people here. And um, the more fluffy the bread is, the more gluten it contains. So for that reason, we probably consume more gluten on average than in Central Europe. Yes, I remember a German friend got me some Stollen for Christmas, and I was ah, like, yes. thanks. Mm, I don't like it either. <laughs> but, uh, but some of the bread is really good. It's a bit more solid, but it's, yeah, it yeah. might be an option. I mean, there are some bakeries in New Zealand where you can buy this bread as well. What do we do next with this research, Alex? Um, yeah, I would like to see this um, to be done in humans, so we would need to find researchers who could measure brain inflammation in humans. It's not that easy. So there are certain markers that we can measure, and, um, yeah, that would be the next um, step. What do you mean by markers? Um, so these type of immune cells that we measure, one type could be potentially measured in humans by doing... Um, 
a certain type of an MRI scan, for example. That's quite costly to do these studies. Mm. But I'm in contact with a neurosurgeon here at the um, hospital in Dunedin, and maybe he's interested in doing the study if we get the funding for, ex- for it, for example. I also would like to find out why is it doing this, because we don't know this yet. So how does gluten act on the brain? We don't know the mechanism yet, so that's yeah, something okay. we need to find out. Um, a lot of our listeners are interested in um, dementia and Alzheimer's. Could those uh, have those things been linked to brain inflammation? Um, yes. So, but uh, there are some links that have been established, and so neuroinflammation, if it's chronic, that can potentially lead to a higher risk of developing cognitive decline later on. Interesting is also that some of these gluten-related disorders can um, also lead to cognitive decline. It's in a small subpopulation of people. I don't want to say that everybody would get this, but there's a small population of people that have an autoimmune disease that is triggered by gluten that then can lead to, for example, um, balance problems and certain things because it affects their cerebellum, which is part of their their brain that has been already shown as well which is interesting gosh we've got so much more to learn don't we yes yeah we never stop um learning i think which is the fantastic thing of being a researcher yeah particularly about the interactions between what you eat and your brain that seems yes. to be like we've seemed to have made so much progress even in the last five or ten years with that Yes, and I think it's good because we can adapt our diet and maybe live longer, a longer healthy life, you know. So it might help us, I mean, combined with exercise and um, eating things in moderation. I don't want to say that people should go gluten-free only if people are celiac or have these gluten um, disorders, gluten-related disorders. Surely that's what your research is saying, though. Your research is saying chances are this is going, yes. gluten is going to be doing the same thing in a human brain. It might be beneficial maybe just to have it in moderation, you know. So don't eat um, white bread the whole day. So, for example, you could replace it with oats. That is also not that expensive because, unfortunately, we have the cost of living crisis. But oats, for example, are um, are easier to digest for certain people who are um, gluten intolerant. But um, that would be one way just to have it in moderation, like Many other foods have a very varied diet that is enriched in in um, green vegetables and fruits and have gluten in moderation. Um, and then that could be beneficial, I think. So I, I, sh- I think we shouldn't, based on this result, that we have just everybody should go gluten-free, but maybe think about reducing it um, and yeah, don't have it for each meal. Okay. Now, am I going to be talking to you in another couple of weeks with another breakthrough in another area, or are you done for now? I hope I'm done for now. I have <laughs> been on the radio a bit um, recently, <laughs> but um, who knows? We, we, we never know what we find in the lab, so I will keep you updated. <laughs> okay. Nice to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. That's Professor Alexander Tupps from Otago University at the Centre for Neuro endocrinology they've found that gluten causes brain inflammation in rice uh, in mice rather and it sounds like alex um believes the same thing may happen in humans much harder harder to study in humans though